This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Um, well, give me a second to get my bearings. I can't see you all. So I'm going to assume there's people right there. Are you there? Yell at me. Are there people over there? Because I can't see you either. There you are. Okay, sweet. Oh, wow. Um, well, just for, just for fun, how many of you are, this is your home church? Okay, most of you, I think. Um, I just got to meet, oof. Listen, I am, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that emotional of a person, but when I'm in the presence of the Lord, I like turn into a, just a mess. I'm just a mess. So um, just be prepared for who knows what. Um, <clears throat> but I, I just got to meet Pastor Josh and Pastor Sarah um, this afternoon and have dinner together. And I want you to know that um, you, are in a, you are in a place of good soil if this is your house. That um, the word that comes to mind is genuine genuine lovers and seekers of God. Um, and so what a great place to plant your life, a place to plant the soil of your life and watch what God can do in this house. Uh, I'm really honored to be here. I'm really, really honored to be with you ladies. I haven't, I haven't been at a Just Women's event, I think in almost a year since our, since Abrooms Women's Retreat last spring. And um, it was lovely, but there's just something special I like, <laughs> there are men in here, okay, so I'll just, <laughs> I did um, throw out some funny words last time that, I, that I, only women uh, are comfortable hearing, um, so I won't do that to y'all since I don't know you um, uh, well, but, um, well, I'm so thankful for how precious that worship time was. Seriously, is the are the ladies who led you here, Maddie? I just met you, and who else led worship? Wow, thank y'all so much. Um, just no small thing to give it your all when you're leading in front of people. So thank you. Um, will you just pray with me? I want I want to pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for being here. You really are the one that we came here for. Yes. <laughs> you really are. You really are Jesus. So thank you. Thank you that you want to be here more than we want to be here. <laughs> you want to be with us more than we want to be with you. So I thank you for that. And Lord, I ask you that you would give us all ears to hear you tonight. Lord, tear down by your spirit and with your word any idea we have of you that's not accurate, Lord. We want to see you, Jesus, as you truly are. We want to know the Father as he truly is, as you revealed him to be. So I pray by your spirit, tear down walls, 
walls of religion, walls of tradition, and give us eyes to see. We, we pray what Paul prayed. He'd open the eyes of our hearts that they would be enlightened to see you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us your spirit tonight as a group of women, that we would have power to grasp your love, Lord, the, the depth, the length, the width, and the height. Lord, not, not just words filling a time slot, Lord, but your very presence changing us transforming us, filling us. So we thank you for that. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, well, I should probably tell you a little bit about me. That always helps me when I'm listening to someone new. Like, who is this person? Um, I am from the panhandle of Texas, mostly. I was born on the mission field, but I was raised in a town without a stoplight. <clears throat> the Dairy Queen went out of business. I feel like Oklahoma has a lot of like, towns like that, am I right? <laughs> um, so that's, that's how I grew up. My parents were in ministry, but they divorced when I was 14. And um, I, that from 14 on sent me on a trajectory of just kind of messiness. Um, I went to college out in California, and then I moved, uh, I, f I graduated, and then I moved to Dallas to get a master's degree in speech pathology. And it was, I was 24 years old, and it was in Dallas that I really met the Lord. I was raised in church my whole life. I was born on the mission field, but when I was 24, I really met the Lord. And I was never the same. <laughs> what I had been trying to do as a good Christian girl, living like a hypocrite but not wanting to, for about a decade all shifted in one short season when I really met him and he took over my life. Um, he changed everything. And I have been just giddy following him ever since not that it's all sunshine and roses but he's so wonderful and so worthy and um so i met my husband also in that season michael and we have i should have brought a photo i didn't but we have four kids uh we've got uh, two boys who are six and seven and two girls who are 11 and 12 and um so i'm <laughs> that's a thing um, are, there, are there any moms in here um, wow I'm learning a lot and um, so I also I brought a friend with me just stand up and wave to everybody this is my friend Karis everyone say hi Karis um, we do a lot of life together but we also do ministry together so she may um, hop on the keyboard later tonight and do some ministry with me so that'll be fun um, but I want to, I want to give you, um, I want to give you some uh, scripture tonight. Oh, you guys have my notes back there. 
Um, I'm going to give you some scripture tonight, and I'm going to kind of interweave my own testimony in it. How does that sound? So if you get your Bibles, why don't you go to the book of Genesis? We're just going to go book by book tonight. <laughs> Hope you brought your sleeping bag. Um, so, like I told you, I was 14, and um, my parents divorced, and I went on this just long, decade-long search of looking for value and worth in boys and men from the time I was 14 till I was 24. And I, I was just heartbroken, devastated, and I used um, guys to help me feel valuable. And so I just had this trail. By the time I was 24, I just had this trail behind me of either people that had broken my heart or hearts I had broken. I was just, you know, classic, looking for love in all the wrong places. And so I want to tell you what the Lord did for me and what I believe he's going to do for some of us tonight. And I hope it helps you. So I want you to look in Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 3, is such a sad chapter. <laughs> Am I right? Because 1 and 2, we're in the bliss of Eden. And here are Adam and Eve, and they're naked, and they don't know it. They have no self-awareness. They know no shame. They're walking with God in the cool of the day. When he talks, they love to listen. They're not afraid of him. And then everything changes when our great friend Eve decides to listen to the deceiver. Um, and, and then there's this thing that the Lord says to the woman. And here's where I want to focus in tonight. It's in, in verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16. You know, she eats the fruit she gives it to her husband. Everyone's blaming everybody else. And this is what the Lord says to Eve. He says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. I did four of those, and it was painful. <laughs> your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. To me, if I could sum up the state of woman on the earth without Christ saving her, it is this. It is this, that she is in sorrow, in pain, and this, for me, it was these last two phrases, your desire shall be for your husband, or that word could be translated just man, and he shall rule over you. So I want to talk to you about this desire and how the Lord healed me, and how I believe he wants to heal you, and how he set me free for the rest of my days. Um, so I want to look at this word desire. I don't know if you guys have that definition you can um, put up. This Hebrew word is, I think it's pronounced teshuka. Nice. Teshuka, maybe? Anybody he Hebrew experts in here? We'll go with teshuka. Um, <laughs> I'm Cherokee, so I said, y'all are my people. Um, it sounds a little bit Native American, doesn't it? Anyway, okay. 
Um, teshuka. So this is the word that they translated desire, but it, it's a very strong desire. It's like a longing or a craving. So this is what God says to Eve. Your desire will be for man and he will rule over you. So desire, longing, a craving. This word is only used two other times in the Bible, the specific Hebrew word. I want to show you the next one. It's just one page over, maybe not a page, one chapter over. It's in chapter four. This is when um, Abel brought a better offering than Cain. You know the story? Yeah, okay, you know the story. And the Lord is looking, God's so funny how he asks questions, right? As if he doesn't know the answer. It's so funny thing that he does. He still does that, by the way. So look in chapter 4, in verse 6. It says, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's, here it is, Teshuka. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So we have the same actual two words, the word desire, longing, craving, and then rule over. So woman's desire, her craving, her longing will be for man, and he will rule over her. And then he says to Cain, hey, sin is actually crouching at your door, but I, it, it wants to have dominion over you. Sin has a desire, a craving, a longing over you, and I've told you that you should have dominion over it. But we know what happened, yeah? He didn't. <laughs> Sin won in that, in that contest, right? All right. So I'm going to get to the third place it's used. So you have the first place in Genesis 3, 16, second place in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. And I'll get to the third one. <laughs> um, I think that this desire this word desire, this longing, this craving for man has been plaguing women for millennia. If you go to a junior high uh, lunchroom and you hang out with a group of junior high girls, you know what they're likely talking about? If you go to a table of junior high boys, do you know what they're likely talking about? There's a problem here. <laughs> From the time that we're tiny, we're watching Snow White and Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm not making a Disney commentary. I'm just saying that we have this longing for romance, connection, someone love me. We've got little girls dressing up in wedding dresses and like princesses and playing. I mean, I remember I was a preschooler playing that like, I would play pretend that the boy that I liked in preschool would rescue me from a fire, you know? <laughs> Um, don't laugh at me. You did stuff like that. How many of you kissed a boy on the playground when you were in elementary school? I see all y'all. Listen, this is 
This is this longing, this craving that we're plagued with. And it might manifest differently, but it is like this all-consuming thing that we as women deal with. And the problem is, it's like even when the great guy comes, even when I walk down the aisle and I say I do, you know what? It's still not enough. They can, they're not enough. They're still not enough. And so I, <laughs> I for 10 years, I just had this, like I told you, this, this, I never not had a boyfriend or multiple at the same time. I just, it, it was this plague. And at some point I began to realize, I think something's a little off. I think, I think, you know, this is not good. This is not healthy. I had a friend in college confront me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't know what to do. I even started a Bible study one time. And the name of the Bible study with my college friends is called the Knight in Shining Armor. <laughs> no, I kid you not. And it was about Jesus being your knight in shining armor. But we had a contract at the back of the Bible study that we signed saying that we were going to not date for how many ever months so that we could just seek the Lord. And I like signed it on a Tuesday and went on a date on a Friday. <laughs> so I, I knew, like, I, have, I know something's wrong. I know this is an issue for me, but I could not fix it because there was a heart cry in me that would not shut up. It was a longing, it was a craving, and it was having dominion over my soul. It controlled where I went, where I went to church, what I wore, who I hung out with. I mean, it was all consuming. Now, <clears throat> let me tell you something awesome. <laughs> Is that I believe that the divine solution God is like the God of the loophole. Because God's, God is the one who told Eve, your desire will be for man, and he will rule over you or have dominion over you. And guess what? In John, in the very same chapter and verse of the book of John, we have his divine loophole. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, who is what? He's the bridegroom. He's the man that's meant to have dominion over me. And he's the man in whom I can thrust all of my insecure, desperate, craving, longing, tell me, Jesus, that I'm beautiful. <laughs> tell me that I'm worth something. Tell me that you love me. Let me just throw myself at your feet. And he's the only man that ever has been or ever will be that's not turned off by that. You don't have to play hard to get with God. In fact, he hates it. I dare you sometimes begin to get out your gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and find a woman who didn't act like a fool in front of him. He on purpose had those men write accounts of women who were desperate, 
throwing themselves at his feet, spending their life savings, oh my gosh, kissing him, wiping his feet with her hair, weeping on him, pushing through a crowd to grab the hem of his garment, begging him for crumbs from the master's table. Like this man, he told Martha, hey, I don't care about all your sandwich making, your sister's chosen the better thing and I'm not gonna take it away from her. This is the man of your dreams. And I wanna show you, we're gonna go into a narrative in John chapter four in a minute. Did you guys give me a countdown? Do I, oh, there's my countdown. Oh my goodness. Okay, okay, okay. Have I been talking that long? Wow, okay, praise God. Um, in, in, <laughs> I love y'all so much. This is gonna be a really fun time. In Song of Solomon, this is so wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 7, verse 10 is the only other place this word desire is used. And I want you to see something in the heart of God. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10. You know, we can interpret the book of Song of Solomon a lot of different ways. But one of the ways that we can interpret the book is as a love song, a set of love songs between the Lord and his bride. And that's how I'd like to see it tonight. This is what the Shulamite, the, the woman, the beloved says. She says, I am my beloved's. And his desire is toward me. His longing is toward me. His craving is toward me. Did you know you have something to give God that nobody else in this room can give him? And it's something that he wants, that he desires, that he longs for, that he craves. If the Holy Spirit can help us understand this, this will change everything. God desires you. So I wanna jump into this narrative in John chapter four because I feel like it best displays what I'm trying to communicate. <laughs> He's not worried about cleaned up you. He did that. He's not worried about have it together you. He had it together for you. And the only way you're going to ever get it together is if you first receive his love. All right. So you're in John chapter 4. Just set your eyes on that but I'm mostly just gonna tell you this story. All right, so in John chapter four, we have this amazing story where, where it says in verse four, that Jesus is traveling with this group of people and it says, quote, he needed to go through Samaria. It's as if he's saying, hey, I have an appointment there. Remember what it says about Jesus? It says, the Bible says that Jesus only did what he what? He saw who? He saw what the Father was doing, and he only said 
what he heard the father saying. So when it says that Jesus was on a trip and he needed to go through Samaria, it's because he saw who telling him to go where? The father. Hey, I've got an appointment for you. I've got somebody waiting in Samaria. Now, if you don't know, um, Samaritans and Jews were not friends. They were looked upon as a lower class group of people. In fact, the most religious Jews, like say the keyboard is somewhere I need to go and, and Samaria is on my way. So Samaria is like, well, I don't know, let's just pretend this is Samaria. The most religious Jews would have been on their way to the keyboard, but to avoid Samaria would go all the way over here in order to avoid going through Samaria. They hated each other. They were considered unclean. Okay? So Jesus, mind you, needs to go through Samaria. First flag. What? That doesn't make sense. You are, you are a religious Jew, Jesus. Why are you needing to go through a place that everyone else avoids? Are you guys following me? Yeah. All right. All right. Secondly, ugh, this is one of the best. This is all moms need to see this scripture. Verse 6, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Amen. Any mom? Jesus also was weary. <laughs> right? He, he had to sit down. That just comforts me so much sometimes. Lord, even you just had to go sit down. Just a minute, guys. I just need to sit down. <clears throat> he sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Um, <laughs> he, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. A little forward, right? <laughs> now, mind you, his disciples had gone into town. So I got to think... I'm, I should have thought through this ahead of time, but I got to think, here Jesus, he's, he's, the disciples, they all get there, the well's outside of town, they're all here, like, what are we going to do? We're going to go buy food. Okay, I'm going to sit here and hang out. I'm, I'm tired. Oh, praise God, the Son of God gets tired. He, so he's sitting here, and the disciples go into town, and there couldn't have been, like, many roads from the well into town. So at some point, they pass a woman who they probably distanced themselves from and walked on. Well, the woman gets to the well, and as far as we know, it's Jesus and a Samaritan woman at a well. This is no, 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 no. Man, woman, Samaritan Jew, alone, no, 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 no. We're crossing so many rules and boundaries, okay? But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Not to go meet with the leaders of the city, not to go meet with the head senior pastors of Samaria to roll out his ministry. Now, he had an appointment with a specific woman. And he says to her this phrase, give me a drink. <laughs> I want you to be provoked tonight that you actually have the ability to refresh God with something tonight. He doesn't, he's not thirsty anymore. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's good. But you can touch him. 
you can bless him. And you, not the person next to you, you have something that he wants, that he actually longs for. And I want to show you what that is tonight. All right. She's like, how is it that you're asking? She acknowledges those boundaries. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for water? And they go into this conversation. You you guys know this story, yes? It's about living water. It's going to flow from your belly. We know this story, yes? Well, an interesting thing happens because they're going into this conversation about water. And he says, I'll give you living water. You'll never thirst again. And then she says, yeah, I want that water. I don't want to travel up to this well all the time. And he says something interesting. Go, call your husband. You see, something about thirst and need and water, there's a connection point to what Jesus just said to her. Go call your husband. He's pointing out to her, I know that you are actually very thirsty. I see that you've been looking for water. I see that you've been looking for living water because what does she say? Uh, what does she say? I have no husband. And then he just, I don't know how he does it. I wish I could see it. He says, I know. You've had how many? Five. And the one you have that you're living with now isn't your husband. Hey, I know you wanted living water. I see that you've been looking everywhere to get satisfied, and I see that you're still not. You know, a lot of people will say, well, Jesus was, he needed to reveal her sin so she would need him. He did not need to do that. She knew she was a mess. She was well aware. Don't tell any woman that's been married five times. (laughs) And listen, in that day and age, women didn't divorce men, men divorced women. So this woman had been rejected, 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 and had to, in order to survive, remarry, 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 remarry. So now she has a reputation in this small town. And Jesus, of all the people that he could be sent by the Father to go meet with, goes to meet with this particular woman. And he is not revealed to anybody in that region who he is. But he is about to strategically reveal the the fact that he is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God, to this woman. Woman. That woman. You know that woman in your neighborhood? At your kid's school? You know that woman? That woman. That's the one. That he said, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go meet with her. (laughs) So go call your husband. So we go from a conversation about water and living water to the men in her life. And then the conversation takes another strange turn. Worship. It takes another strange turn. Look in your Bible. Verse 21. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming 
when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Remember who sent him on a mission? The Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such. What is such to worship him? The Father is seeking such. What is he referring to? Worshippers. He didn't say the Father is seeking worship. He said the Father is seeking worshipers. And somehow this conversation about thirst and living water and having had five husbands has now ended in the Father's looking for something. He's looking for something on the earth. And it's not a song. And it's not someone who attends church. It's not someone who reads their right Bible plan every day. Although all those things are beautiful things. He's seeking worshipers. And he's telling this to the least likely messed up Messy, rejected, dejected person he could find. The Father's looking for you. And in what way is the Father looking for you? Do I have to go get cleaned up and go on top of that mountain to go worship him and offer my 10,000 oxen and rams and lambs? And Nope. He says the Father's seeking worshipers in spirit and in truth. Do you know what that means? In spirit means everywhere. He's everywhere. He's not limited by a building. You didn't become a worshiper when you came through these doors. You didn't begin worshiping when you came through these doors. You have been worshiping your whole life. I don't know what you or who you've been worshiping, but you are, by, by nature of your created self, how you are designed, by design, you are a worshiper. Your worship has a object. Mine was meant to tell me I was valuable. I wouldn't have said that. Nobody knew that. But that's where I projected all of my energies. He's seeking worshipers in spirit and in truth. Do you know what truth means? This is so amazing, and this is so liberating. It means nothing hidden. It means when I come before him in worship, he knows that I've had five husbands. He knows that I've been looking for love in all the wrong places. He knows that I'm a mess. He knows that I feel rejected and dejected. He knows that I'm insecure. He knows, and yet he's still seeking me, the worshiper. He sees all that, and he wants me. He knew all of that before he ever showed up at that well. He knew all of that, and he said, I'm going to reveal myself to you. 
The Father's been looking for you. What, me? Me? A woman? A Samaritan? Five husbands? The man I live with now? Yep, you. Can I ask you tonight, if the Father was looking for her, tell me what he's looking for right now. In spirit and in truth. I've got nothing to hide from you, Lord. You see it all, and you want me anyway. You saw it all when I was dead, and you died for me, and you brought me to life. You saw it all. Wow, I, I'm doing so good on time. I'm so happy. Um, I'm going to ask my friend Karis to come get ready on the keys. We're going to respond to him in a minute. <clears throat> I want you to look back at this scripture for a minute. The woman, you have to understand, Jesus is now, he's, he's touching like, oh, what do you call that in math? Is anyone a math teacher in here? The most common denominator? Or the least common denominator? How does it work? You know what I'm talking about? I've been doing fractions with my 11-year-old. What is it? Okay, he, he's like finding like the bottom rung of society. I don't know if that metaphor flies, but you understand. <laughs> He, he is finding the most bottom rung of society saying, my father is seeking you and I'm tired of religion getting in the way and I'm tired of your shame keeping you from him because you are his daughter and I'm about to give my life so that you have full access to him that nothing can separate you from him because of what I'm about to die for. He's looking at a woman he's about to give his life for. Have you ever wanted a man to love you enough to die for you? He did. He says, oh, listen to what she says, verse 25. I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Oh my goodness, I just can't get over that God revealed himself to this precious woman at a well. I who speak to you am he. What? If I were coming to Oklahoma City, I'd, I'd call up Pastor Josh and Pastor Sarah and be like, I'm rolling out a new ministry in Oklahoma City. I need to meet with you. I, wanted, I want you to post it on all your socials and tell the world. I would not go down to the strip club and pull somebody out and say, I'm bringing my new ministry to Oklahoma City. Can you put it on all your socials? Do you understand like what we're looking at here? What Jesus' strategy is mind-blowing. He's giving worth to the least likely. And he's giving tremendous worth. I'm on a search and rescue mission and you're the one I've been looking for. Oh, not the religious ones? No. Well, them too, but listen, this is what's awesome. Verse 27, at this point, his disciples came and they marvel because they had passed her on the path, I'm thinking. And they come back and they're like, oh my goodness. But they did not dare ask and it says 28 oh this is so good she left her water pot she said you know that thing i've been needing to go just endlessly draw water with i don't need that anymore something is satisfied and she leaves her water pot 
runs into the city and says to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Wait a minute. Is anyone here from a small town? Okay, okay. In my small town, it's like, if somebody ran into town or like came into my high school and said, I met a man out there, he told me everything I ever did. And if it, if it was somebody with the reputation of this woman, you're like, he did? <laughs> Why, whoa. But she feels no shame. Something about the way he uncovered her life did not bring any shame. She was liberated. She was so excited to go tell everyone, come meet a man. Did you know like a whole village came into the kingdom because of her? A woman? An unqualified woman who met the one who had a desire, a longing, God's going to touch us with this longing, this desire, this craving. So if you'll just close your eyes.
Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.